0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Mom to Mom. I am your host, Nisha Hopkins. Let's Talk Mom to Mom is a candid conversation for fearless moms in business to discuss, learn, and share their struggles and successes of being a mompreneur. Each episode, I'll have the opportunity to chat with other moms about their real-life struggles and the things they've conquered, and some may still be working through within life and in business. This platform is to help, assist, and guide you through your journey of entrepreneurship and motherhood. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I hope that you guys are truly staying safe, and I hope that your families are remaining safe at this time. Uh, In the midst of this pandemic, I know that it is starting to really, really affect people in regards to these illness, in regards to uh, just being in fear, just trying to keep your family safe. And one way or another, it's really, really beginning to affect everyone. It's beginning to affect business owners, employees, everyone. So I am praying for each and every one of you. Um, In the midst of everything, like I stated last week, I do want to keep things going with the podcast. It is something that has been heavy for me to continue to do, and hopefully it is uplifting someone, some way, somehow. Uh, This month, which is April, is also Financial Literacy Month, so it was only right that I bring a financial expert on the show. Uh, Before we actually bring her on the show, I wanted to just share a little bit about this interview, why I'm really, really excited about it. When I first began the podcast, I had a list of individuals that I really, really wanted on the show. And she was on my list, but I had no clue. I guess it was a little bit of fear of me really reaching out to her. So I was hesitant. And I actually seen a post that she put on Facebook, and she was saying that she was looking for different platforms, podcast platforms to share her knowledge and expertise. So a light bulb went off like, this is your moment, this is your moment. So I actually sent her an email. I slid in her inbox, sent her an email, and we got the interview done. And when I say that this interview has so much knowledge, so much power, and can really begin to shift things, shift your mindset, especially when it comes to how you view money, how you think about money, and overall wealth. So let's get right into today's episode. This week, we have Takesha that is joining us. Takeisha Artis is a financial life coach and a CPA. With over 20 years in the financial industry, her mission is to help entrepreneurs transform their limiting beliefs about wealth so they can increase their net worth. She's building a community of women who are confident in their relationship with money. So let's go ahead and welcome Takeisha to the show. Hi, Takesha. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am well. I want to thank you first and foremost for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Mom to Mom. I know that I just gave them a brief bio and brief introduction, but just please tell us about your journey to becoming a mompreneur. Um, It
1: started with me wanting to have extra money. (laughs) So um, I created my first business as a way to have a fun fund. Um, And so it was just me wanting to have extra money to do the things that my paycheck didn't cover. So, you know, extravagant trips and, you know, concerts, stuff like that. And it actually kind of turned into this whole other thing that I was not expecting. Um, When I first started, I was doing bookkeeping. Um, I wanted to teach entrepreneurs how to DIY their finances, because my background is um, a CPA. And so somehow on this journey, I kind of realized that entrepreneurs, they were scared of managing their money. They were scared of, you know, using a quick bookkeeping system like QuickBooks or, you know, wave or something like FreshBooks. And I was just curious why. Um, And so the more clients I started to get, the more I realized that they were also scared of their personal Finances. They weren't scared of spending it, but they were scared of, you know, simple tools like budgeting or using a tracking system or putting money away to save or invest. And so I just was in the back of my mind. I always kept saying, but why, why, why? Like there's such great strategies. And I realized that we know a lot of what to do. We just don't know why we're not doing it, why we have that resistance. And I started to try and figure out why and that kind of led me on this journey to money mindset and then from there it kind of spiraled into you know financial behaviors and money psychology and I realized like that I needed that to kind of get to where I am now because this is what I really enjoy talking about
0: I love it now I would I would definitely have to agree simply because when I began my entrepreneurial journey sometimes you invest so much you know in trying to build that you're a little bit scared to look at how much you've truly truly invested and then I began to learn that a lot of that really came from how I was brought up where you know being educated on your finances it just was not a priority So I do want to ask you, why do you feel that financial education or just knowing about, you know, finances is not really a top priority, especially in, like, African-American households? Because
1: we don't think that wealth is possible for us. So that's not our normal. So, you know, in in the African-American community in particular, we think that, you know, what we see on TV is the definition of wealth so you have to have like gold jewelry and all of these lavish things the mansion and you know four luxury cars and so because we don't know how we would do it we don't see how we could do it we don't identify or envision ourselves in those scenarios and so the topic of wealth is that's not for me that's you know for rich people um, and I think when you kind of take a step back and say, "What would wealth look like if I had an extra twenty thousand dollars to my income yearly? What would I do with that?" And if your answer is more the, along the lines of, "I would spend it on this, this, and this," then most likely you're using money as a way to either validate who you are and what what you feel about yourself, or you have it is an indicator of you have bad spending habits. But if you look at it from another perspective of maybe I would invest or I would save or pay down a lot of my debt, then the situation is more of the lines that you would use money to help change your financial situation. And I think a lot of us don't, because we can't See ourselves as wealth. We don't know what our own definition of it would be. And we can't see us, we don't have a good picture of well, if it's not the mini mansion, what is wealth then? So we don't really know what that looks like but you know I tell people wealth is what you want it to be so for someone it could be the you know mini mansions with luxury cars in the driveway but to someone else it could be their house being paid off and not having to worry about their mortgage or it could be the single mom with you know a savings account of $10,000 in the bank, giving her a little bit of that financial ease and knowing that, you know, if something did happen, she does have a, a backup plan. Or it could be, you know, steady additional income coming in so that you don't feel like you're living check to check. So wealth is what you make it. But I think because we don't really know what wealth means, we, It's hard to identify with it because people say, well, if you're not investing in the stock market, you're not wealthy. Or, you know, real estate people are saying, if you aren't investing in real estate, you'll never be wealthy. But then you have other people saying, well, if you aren't doing this, you'll never be wealthy. So it's like, well, I'm not doing any of those things. So am I not wealthy? If I don't even know what those are, can I never be wealthy? So there's, we don't do enough research to know what wealth is and how um to apply it to our situation it and it's also the same thing when you look at different people saying well i got a, out of debt in 6 months and you know you try their strategy and it doesn't work for you but it's like you didn't read that you know that person sold their house, sold their car, sold half of their clothes, moved back in with their parents. They made a lot of sacrifices to do that within that short amount of time. So sometimes we don't kind of look at the details to see how can I apply this to me and not being scared that even if the big picture doesn't apply to me, like, let me start, like, let that be my new normal and not that it simply doesn't apply to me, that it can never happen for me.
0: Yes, I agree. And and I, I definitely would have to say that um, I've been one of those people where it's like, okay, why isn't it working for me? And it's working for that person. And that, that comparison really, really has to stop within our community, period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, one of the biggest misconceptions, uh, What is? what are one of the biggest misconceptions that we have especially moms when it comes about uh when it comes to our finances
1: I think there's a lot of them and I think some of them are you know individually how you were raised what stories you have about money um but I think the biggest one is that you need a better strategy. And I I don't think most of us need a better strategy. I think we need a better mindset Um, because the, the story that you tell yourself about money is the limiting belief that you're going to have a about money. And so if you don't feel deserving or worthy of money, it's going to be hard for you to receive money. It's going to be hard for you to save money. It's going to be hard for you to hold on to money. Um if you don't have that good story. And I think a lot of us we keep the story even though we realize that that's not pushing us towards our financial goals. That's why a lot of us have the same goals every year without much progress is not the strategy. Savings works. If you put it on auto, um, on automation, it works. It's simply you transferring it from one place to another and leaving it and letting it accumulate. But sometimes we aren't comfortable with um, overflow, abundance and more than And so that kind of makes us take from our savings account because we aren't comfortable with it. I get a lot of clients that say, well, I get to a certain amount and then this bill pops up. And I'm like, yeah, because we all have these upper limits. That is the number in our savings account, checking account, Um, the amount that we think that we can make. We can't make more than our salaries that we say, this is the number that feels comfortable for me. I don't think I can make more than this. I don't think I deserve more than this. I'm uncomfortable with this. And so it's not until we break past those limits um, that we really can see that money grow and we can make more and we can say that, you know, I do this, 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 and this for this company. So I deserve a raise or, and not being comfortable just... Um, you know, getting by with the two or 3%, you know, annually is standing up and saying that I do deserve more than, you know, $250 in my savings account. And this is why sometimes it's the wording. Sometimes we're not comfortable with a savings account. I don't call mine a savings account. I call it a freedom fund. And (laughs) I was telling my friend the other day, I don't really know why it's a freedom from what? I just know it's the idea of freedom, freedom from whatever just really appeals to me. And so I know for freedom that I have to keep building this account. And so I'm very clear on if I mismanage my money, I still don't take it from this account. I do have a Just For Me account, and it's literally labeled Just For Me account. And in that account, I, I put like $40 in it and that's my way as a mom to say I gotta make sure that I'm still indulging in the things that I like and not feeling guilty that I didn't buy my son something like these and I have two stipulations it can only be for me and it can only be something that I really love and enjoy and so that takes kind of like that mom guilt out of it like oh well I didn't buy him anything. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm saving this for me to enjoy the fruits of my labor. So I think, you know, when you start to shift how you view money, how you view yourself with money, you start to look at some of the old stories or beliefs or patterns or spending habits that you were taught or maybe witnessed And then you start to see, like, these really aren't serving me towards what I'm trying to do. Like, I know that fundamentally, if I transfer this money into this account, I should be able to save. But why do I get to this amount and it feel uncomfortable? Why do I get paid and instantly feel like I have to spend? Um, Why do I get uncomfortable talking about this? Or what words am I using? When I think of myself with money, you know, people love to say, well, I'm broke or that's expensive. And I'm like, you're not broke or broken. You just don't have the money right now. Or that's not expensive. You just don't have the money in your budget right now. Or you aren't able to afford that right now. Or maybe you just don't see the value in that right now. But I think using our words better is um, important as well.
0: I, I would have to agree I actually have accounts that I've named I, I don't have one that's just for me so I was writing as you was talking but I didn't have <laughs> um because I was taught a long time ago like we shouldn't really call it an emergency fund because you're speaking an emergency into your life so yes. my fund is actually called a life is lit <laughs> I love that <laughs> it's life yes. is lit so um I I love that. And speaking of some of the, the mindset things and some of the stories that we kind of tell ourselves, what are some ways that we can really begin just shifting our mindset of not only about money, but about our overall financial situation?
1: I think the most important thing is to become aware of like the words you say, um, We don't know we this is the problem. We've been doing it for so long that we don't see it as a problem. And so it's becoming aware of the things that you say over your finances. So I always say speak life over your finances. So if you, if I say speak life, then that forces you to start looking at what you do say as it relates to money, because we don't know that we say I'm broke or I don't have that, like, girl, I'm not buying that. Like, I would never pay that. We don't use those words until someone challenges that narrative. So I say just speak life over your finances. And so in doing that, you'll start to see like, oh, that wasn't really positive. Oh, like, oh, I say that? And so it forces you to just be aware of it. If I say, speak life over yourself, you know, like, okay, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm this. And so it's using that same concept over our money. And so I think in terms of kind of the stories that we've told ourselves about money, look at the the thoughts that you have when it comes to money so if you feel like i'm not good with money reframe it and so reframing is really taking what you believe and questioning why you believe it and if it's true and so it's literally four steps the first step is is this true true to the fact true in the sense that it is a fact the problem with our beliefs is that we believe them so long that they're, we believe them to be true, to be factual. But when you really examine them, you'll realize that they're half truth, they're partial truths. They have a little bit of the truth, but a little bit of our youthful exaggeration. So is this true? The second part is, if it's true, what is the new perception or narrative that you want to have? To kind of be, is if it's not true, what's the new truth that you want to tell? Because we can all decide, choose to change our story in our mind. Like that's how powerful we are. Um, I love to give the example of when you are a child, you're told that the stove is hot. Right. We all, and you get those children that you say it's hot. They want to touch it anyway. So you just let them touch it and you say, is it hot? Yes. But our childlike mind will make us be wary of the stove. But as adults, we realize that same stove that we viewed as this hot thing. Um, and, and youth is now a great way to nourish and feed our families. It's a great way to have those um, wonderful Sunday dinners. So we use it differently. Is it still hot? Absolutely. But we're changing the narrative to say that even though it's hot, I'm using it in a more impactful, purposeful way. So our our thoughts are the same way. Is it hot, still hot? Yes. Is this thought still, is this thought true? Yes. But what's the new story I wanna tell? And if the story, if the narrative is, no, it's not true, just pick a new story, just like you created the original one. And then I think this is the most important one of all. What new experiences or reactions can you now give these new stories? Because you've been doing it so long, you're more likely to revert backwards And so if you have new experiences, or maybe it's someone else's experience, that you can say, well, if they did it, I can too. If they were, if they've created this level of success, I can too. I'm no different from them. I just have to figure out, you know, how to get there. But I think because we don't examine if our, if the way we view money is true we keep doing the same things. That's why we keep having the same spending habits. You get paid, you do this. And there's something that you're like, ah, oh, I spent that. Or we have buyer's remorse because we have these habit stories that we just believe is true. Um, and so if you feel like, like I had a client and her story was, I'm not good with money. And I said, well, I'm confused on your story because you've talked to three other, um, financial coaches. So that lets me know that you're kind of serious about changing your financial situation. So why do you believe that that's true? And she said, well, my mother always told me that I'm not good with money because, you know, I get money and I spend it. And I'm like, right. But maybe your mother had an outdated story. Because the you today that I'm talking to has already talked to three other people. And so she was like, okay, that is true. And I'm like, and I'll give you more experience to kind of support that. You've talked to, at this point, four people who have given you solid financial advice. And that lets me know that even though in the past, you may have never reached out to us, currently you have. So you're in a different place. So you have to kind of not believe what mom says (laughs) um, and kind of hold on to your new truth and introduce her to your mom. Like, yeah, I've made a lot of financial mistakes in the past, but I'm working on them now. And, you know, people love to tell us like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you starting a business? You always working on this business. And I tell people, sometimes you can't talk to everyone about what you're doing until you're really confident that their doubts won't overshadow your own.
0: I I love that. And I agree. And it's crazy that you brought that up in regards to how her mom, you know, the story that her mom led her to believe, because when I initially asked you to do this episode, one thing that you said was that your son is the driving force behind you getting your finances together and on so many levels I felt that because I came from a household where financial education was not a priority so i in the process and I've had to kind of relearn things about money and how to really really speak life into my finances and also in the process of raising my daughter teach her to do the same thing so mm-hmm. When you said that to me, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> like, I get it, but I, I want you to to share just what are some ways that we can really begin educating our children on finances.
1: Um, number one, it, don't expect the school to teach them about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, my son just graduated, and
0: congratulations!
1: Thank you. Not one time was a financial class taught. Um. I have, I am a accountant. I am a CPA. Not one time in my financial education was a personal finance class taught or offered. Um, and so we can't expect the schools to teach it. And so I think as parents, we, we are the first teacher, no matter what. They learn all of their behavioral cues from us they they we are their first teacher so some of the things that we can do to teach them is be mindful of when the subject of buying something saving for something or finances come up look at the words that you speak but also your reactions to them and the only example i can give is when they ask you for something what words do you say back to them and what's your reaction so if your words are okay um that i don't have that right now don't be asking me for anything though and that hostile type of reaction more likely than not they're going to have some type of response in their heads that it's not okay to ask for money and what happens as an adult You then get whatever employers give you. If you start a business, you let your customers kind of dictate what your prices are. And you don't really value yourself in terms of someone who can have a lot of money. Yes, our our stories don't really have to make sense in the fact that that's not what you meant we're creating them in childlike minds. So even if you're 20, you have some type of response that you got in your youth that created that same reality that you have now, that same story. Um, I think something simple would be, you know, making sure that you say, well, change your language. That's not in the budget right now. My son heard that for so long. (laughs) But mm-hmm. that was just my way of saying, you, instead of saying like, I don't have the money right now, I would say that's not in the budget right now. We can put that in there next you know, time I get paid. Um, I was also honest about the fact that um, I'm a single mom. So I have one salary. And so I would tell him like, my, when I go to work, I get a check. And in this check, these are some of the things that I pay for. And so I try to make sure that we have money to do some of the things that we like. We may not always do them, but you tell me what are some of the things that you really, really love, and I will make sure that I have money to support you to do those things. So he's like, well, I love basketball. So I made sure that that was his thing. So, you know, really and I'm not saying you got to be like, well, I only make $200. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just give them an example. Start having those conversations so they are financially aware. Like, I was surprised when my son was like, you know, how do you use a credit card? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, <but> it, <laughs> um, and so it. I always tell him now, like, you know, I questioned him, and he's like, "Well, I know that mom," and I always say, "Well, I don't know what you don't know, so I just want to start at the basics um and so I started building his credit when he was sixteen simply by putting him as a user on a credit card that I only use very sparingly, so I would intentionally, like every you know once a quarter or something like that, go to target or Walgreens and make a purchase and pay it off just to build his credit and so you know I started when he was 16 and driving because I wanted to make sure that if he was stuck and needed gas or he didn't have enough money in his account that he could at least financially get what he needed to you know get home or get gas or whatever so now at 18 he has like a 750 credit score Mm -hmm. but it was It was just small things. It doesn't have to be a lot. I started teaching him about budgeting kind of by accident. When he told me that he no longer believed in Santa Claus, I'm like, great. Now you know where the (laughs) money comes from. So I'm like, let's figure out, like, in my mind, I'm like, you have $200 to spend, you know, for Christmas gifts don't be coming to me with this list of 500 things. Santa isn't real. So it forced him to say, okay, what are the things that you really, 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 really want to get? And so I would say like, okay, well, is that $200 worth of stuff? And he would say, well, no, it's like 500. I'm like, you got to work that number down again to get closer to this number. And what it taught him is the value of a dollar, but it also taught him to buy the things that he really loved and not to just expect everything else. Um, And so he still uses that now. Like when I say he can budget (laughs) birthday money really good or um, Christmas money is because he's been doing it for years and it just started with Christmas money. And then when he would get birthday money, I would say, Hey, you know, those games come out in a couple months. Why don't you prepay so that you can ensure that, you know, you get them when they came out. And you know, he was like, okay, well can you take me to GameStop? So it's just little things, just, they they pick up their cues from you. And so if you can change the language, just have little conversations. Um, See what they want to buy or where what they want to save for or what they want to do with money or if they know that they are deserving to be a a millionaire, if they so choose. Just giving them that notion that they are deserving of it will go a long way. My son has been telling me since he was like 17 that he's going to be the first millionaire in the family. And I was like, a year or um you know over time and he's like over time and I'm like well if you add up all of the years that I've been working I am like I've made a million and it was kind of like an aha to both of us like wow over my career I have made a million and then it made me kind of have my own money stories that I kind of have to go back and work through like you know, I felt like, well, if I've made a million, how long did it take me? And what did I do with it? And do I have enough to show for it? And then I had to re- go back through those steps. Like, like, is this true? Well, yeah, I did make a million. It took me about, you know, nine years to get it. Um, and then it, it made certain shifts. Like, okay, well, if I've made it once and it took me this long, can I do it again and kind of shorten the time period? And so that kind of made me shift my growth factor um, in terms of like, okay, well, I did it once, let me do it again. So it it triggered me as well when you know we talked about that. But I'm saying, for you, I'm like, you'll do it a lot faster because at 18, you know way more than I did at your age. So
0: That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Um, you just actually taught me something (laughs) in regards to (laughs) helping stay to budget because I am guilty of kind of going over, especially when it's holidays and birthdays and you feel that sometimes you need to overcompensate, especially when you are a solo parent. And so just being able to stick to that budget and providing that budget to, you know, because I've had a budget, but I've never communicated that with my daughter. So just being able to do that, that is, that is amazing.
1: Yeah. And it it lets them be a part of the spending process. And so they're more mindful of the fact that, you know, money is a driving force. You know, kids think that, you know, money, I don't think they know where money comes from. I didn't know where money comes from. I mean, even when I got to college, I didn't know anything about credit. And I remember like the first week in campus, I had a credit card. I had no idea that, Whatever that free thing that gave me to sign up for this credit <laughs> card, um, I, didn't, I didn't know how I qualified for it. I didn't know that I had to pay it back. I didn't know what a credit limit was. I didn't know what interest rate was. I didn't know that, you know, the longer it took me to pay this thing, the more interest. I had no idea. Um, and so I think as parents, we think that they'll learn it in school, but they won't. Like, that's just not part of their curriculum. Um, And so sometimes we have to educate ourselves better or just have open communication about, like, yeah, like I told my son, like, you know, I, I was terrible with it. I'm like, I was using my credit card as like a savings account. And I'm like, I just didn't know. I'm like, you don't know what you don't know. I'm like, but you know, Now that I know better, I'm like, these are some of the things that, you know, I want you to know. And having Mm -hmm. that open dialogue, I think sometimes with money, you know, people say like, it's a taboo topic. And to a certain degree, I, I agree, but I think it's only taboo because we aren't sure if you make more money than me, are you going to look at me differently? Or if I make more money than you, are you going to look at me differently? So we don't want to say anything at all. But then the things that we don't know, we aren't getting that education on. We aren't saying like, hey, like, yeah, I made this, but I'm also doing that. We It's not that I don't think we're intentionally keeping the growth secrets to ourselves, but sometimes when we do share them, people aren't receptive. And so it's like, well, I just won't say anything at all. Or they look at you differently because you are striving for more. So it's like, well, I don't want to talk to this person about that. We, we want to help people, but when it's met with resistance and that negativity, we just keep it to ourselves. And I think that's continued. Um, for such a long time that we don't know those things, but it's it's not that we don't want to. I think it's just kind of become the norm. You know, it's like, oh, she thinks she's all that because she has this. But it's like, no, you could have that too. But when I invited you into this journey, you didn't want that. You know, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Like I know when I started they're like, you want to help other people with their bookkeeping like, well, why wouldn't they just go to someone else?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm like, well, if they went to a CPA office, the CPA office is going to charge them like X amount of dollars, like $1,000. Most mom and pops or those just starting out don't have those kind of resources. So if I can teach them how to DIY it, yeah, they'll pay a little bit more for me to teach them how to do that. But that's a skill that no one can take from them that they'll continue to use in their business every day. So I'm like, they're only paying for the skill one time. Um, And I just don't think I had that confidence then to overcome other people's doubts my client's doubts and mine, that this was the right thing to do. Um, I, money is just one of those subjects that is, I feel like one of the hardest things we want to make more money, but, and we want to grow it. But when the subject of, okay, well, let's do that. There's so much resistance. Um, It's like, I even got to the point where I don't even ask people when I coach them on how much they make because that part doesn't really matter. The story you tell, I don't need to know the dollar amount for me to figure out what your pattern is or what your story is and how to help you reframe it. Um, So if you make because I know clients who are openly tell me like I made $300,000 this year and I have, you know, less than a thousand dollars saved up. And I'm like, okay, well, let's kind of work through that. And they're like, well, you know, I make 300. I'm like, right. What you make is irrelevant. Let's focus on what you can keep. (laughs) That's the great indicator. Um, Because that's the amount that's going to last you in your financial journey, so what you make, you, you also spent that. So I'm like, right, you made three hundred thousand, but you spent two hundred ninety nine thousand of that.
0: hmm. So one. But, thing to, go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
1: I have to say like, so we have to get away from so much the making and focus on the keeping and the growing of it.
0: I, I absolutely agree, and that's something that I don't really think, especially. As an entrepreneur in those beginning stages, that you really pay attention to because you're really taught to just don't be afraid to invest and don't be afraid to do this. And then you have something that you've never had when it comes to a numerical financial number in your bank account that you kind of look at it like, oh, I can afford this and that. And you're not really thinking about saving and investing and things like that. So, what are some money management tips that you can provide to just moms and aspiring entrepreneurs?
1: Um, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I think when you're just starting, you need to number one, have a dollar amount that you can consistently invest until it starts making money. So if that's $50 from your paycheck to invest in your business, consistently put that into um, a separate account for your business and have all of your business transactions to go out of that account. Um, I think that you need to create a mini budget. And if the word budget is giving you hives right now, it's just a spending plan. So you're just saying this $50 that I'm investing or $100 a month is gonna go to pay for this, 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 and this. I'm also gonna take maybe one class to help me speed up the process on this. We love information, but we get so much information that the information becomes information overload and then we don't take the classes because we have 100 classes and then we don't implement because it seems like it's so much information and then we don't do anything. So I say it's a seven day rule. You can't buy anything unless you're going to use it and implement within seven days. That's why when I do challenges, I make sure that the challenge starts almost immediately after um, you can purchase because you are excited to get this. But if you don't have that accountability or that drive to say, I'm going to watch this, then immediately implement what I've learned, it will just sit and not. And then at that point, it's just a waste. Um, I would say one bank account for your business and one bank account for your personal finances. Don't mix the two. You can use from your personal to buy free business, but business can't be used for personal. Um, and I think that identify what it is that you're going to offer and focus on delivering that. Um, you know, people will buy stuff that they don't really need right now. And in the grand scheme is wasted money because you don't need it. And so if you can say I'm going to offer this at this price and make sure your price is not too low, but it's based on the value that you can give and don't worry that you just started and so don't lowball yourself. Just because you didn't you just got started or you're new in the industry or you're unsure, those things don't matter. What matters is that you have something to offer, you have something that people need, and that even if you want to help transform, serve them, you need to be paid accordingly. There is nothing worse, and I am speaking from experience than to offer something. Just because you don't feel that you're qualified to charge higher and then they pay you and you realize the amount of work that went into it. And then because they're used to that price, you feel like you can't raise your price because you realize that you are doing so much more than this value. So start your value at the proper rate, even if you have to pep talk yourself for days, weeks until you are comfortable with this amount. It is easier to start at a good amount than to start low and then keep raising it. Cause then people are like, well, you just raised your price. You just raised your price. Well, start where the industry average is. It doesn't matter if you're new. That's, I did that. I started at a lower price because I'm like, I'm new. I just started, they've been doing it longer. And I had to tell myself, like, you've been doing it just as long. You've just now doing it for yourself and your business. Um, But I started low. And so it was like they were used to that pricing. And so, you know, every six months I had to raise that price and raise that price until I got to where I wanted. So when I shifted my business, I'm like, I'm going to start where I feel like my value is not worth, but value um and don't feel like you have to buy everything or you have to be everywhere just really focus on how you're going to make money and then make the money in those areas and then spread out you like you don't have to be on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of those platforms because you have to create content for all of those platforms but if you focus on one and create great content on that free platform and build, you know, your email list and all of those things and really hone in on what you offer, the money will come in and then you can start to kind of spread the the money that comes in on different expenses. But if you kind of, I say, put your money where you make your money. That's the easiest way that I explain it to my clients. Put your money where you make money and if you make money off of social media put more emphasis and money on social media if you put if you get it from your website put more money into making sure that it's highly convertible but sometimes we we don't we think oh well, I have to have a website that's pretty and I have to pay you know hundreds of dollars to get it developed but you make the majority of your money on Instagram. It's like, well, they don't even know you have a website. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> don't put your money there. Put your money more on, you know, maybe better graphics there. And, you know, just have a home. I call it your home base. Your home base is just like, you know, a nice living room. But, you know, where you make your money on Instagram, like that's the outside. It looks beautiful. You got all of the greenery and the shrubbery and the plant. It's inviting. But um we, we want to put money in different places, um, but when you're starting, you may be limited because you haven't made money or you haven't made the type of money um, that you want yet. Um, I also say when you're just starting, maybe make sure that you're okay investing for a while. Sometimes it does take time to get to the kind of money that you want and don't expect to see immediate, immediate results, Um, put the time in, don't give up, and then reframe sometimes how you view yourself as that entrepreneur, as that person who's creating the content. Sometimes you may have to reframe your thoughts as as this business owner because you may say, well, I don't know what I'm doing. That may be true. (laughs) What's the new narrative? I don't know what I'm doing, but every day I get a little bit better in knowing how to do this. Um, what's a new experience? Well, yesterday I learned how to do this and I'm more building my confidence in this. So reframing doesn't just apply to, you know, money. It applies to, you can reframe everything. I reframe on a daily, sometimes, you know, every other hour basis. Um, just because we have these stories and you know, people will say, Well, you can't charge this, reframe their thoughts too. Like all my clients don't believe that narrative. My clients are happy and grateful to pay me because I offered this, and you know, they know that I'm helping them to do this and they're okay paying me on time and you know, in full. So I reframe the negativity that I hear on social media. I reframe, you know, my limiting thoughts, my doubts. Um, when I have an idea, I try not to talk myself out of it in the next minute and just reframe, reframe. Is this true? No. Okay. Well, what's the new story? Is this true? Yes. What's the new narrative that I want to have? What's the new, um, Experience that I can attach to this, and then just keep reframing it because we have limiting beliefs about almost everything, not just money.
0: That is amazing. That is that is definitely something that I think is key, especially when you are starting off um, in regards to just charging your worth. Like you cannot count other people's pockets, <laughs> and that is the most valuable thing that I. I've ever learned when it comes to just pricing my products because what you think somebody can't afford, you you really don't know. And it's, you know, one of my mentors actually said it's being a disservice to you. And so I love that you brought that up. Now, um, before we go, we actually had a question that was specifically from a member of our mom tribe. And the question is, is it more important for someone to kind of focus on Uh, paying back old debt or building up their savings account what what is your opinion with that
1: um I'm not sure what they mean by old debt but my thought is always pay the debt off um especially if the debt has interest attached to it um if the interest so let's kind of do the math so if we view debt And savings on you know two sides of the paper your savings account if you had um, you know a hundred dollars in debt and you had a hundred dollars in your savings account your savings account probably would give you a penny in interest (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if you're Um, debt had interest that you had to pay off and it was at 20%, then you have to pay them $120. So if you only had $100, which would have the greater impact, it would be to pay the debt off because then you would be saving yourself $19.99 in saved interest. So debt is always the priority. Can you do them both at the same time? Yes. Um, And that's what I encourage because by you accumulating more in your savings account will show you that you are building and not just paying down debt because that's, that's not really fun. But if you can kind of see your savings account growing at the same time that you are paying off debt, it's a psychological trick. Um, So I say do both, but pay more to the debt. So if I had $100, I would probably save $15 of it, and the rest would go to debt. And then once I'm done paying the debt off, I would take that $100 because I've been used to spending it and start putting the whole thing in my savings account.
0: Got it. So I I agree because... I can see how that can be overwhelming just working just to pay off debt. So pay off the debt at the same time, build as well, build up your savings. So you can kind of see a little bit of, you know, the work that Mm -hmm. you've been putting in. Got it. Thank you so much for that information. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I always like to ask is books. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a bookworm. I know some of the moms are a bookworm. So, what are some book recommendations that you can provide to our mom tribe?
1: So, I have two that I absolutely positively love, and they're not mainstream. Well, one of them is. The first one is Nice Girls Don't Get Rich. And it's a book of, like, 75 quick topics, and they're, like, maybe one to two pages per topic, that she goes over in detail about, like, one chapter could be, you know, it says, like, um, here, let me... Well, I'll tell you about the second one first. So the Mm -hmm. second one is Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And I love this book because it allows us to see the difference between rich people and poor people. And when he says poor, he's not talking about poor in the sense of like poverty, but Mm -hmm. he is talking about poor in the sense of our mindset. And we all, if you don't work on your mindset, have a poor mindset. And so by you working on that mindset, you see how people with money look at things differently one of the things that he talks about is when you have a poor mindset you look at problems as obstacles but when you have a um, rich mindset you look at it more as opportunities and that's very true because sometimes we think when we run into a problem or we make bad financial decisions that's the end of it. But then you can say, okay, well, what's the lesson? What, what other things can I do differently next time? But when you have a poor mindset, you say, okay, well, it didn't work and you are done. But that wealth mindset says I'm not done. I, I've just started. And so um, I love that book. And then nice girls don't get rich. Um, it's 75 avoidable mistakes women make with money. And It's a quick and easy read. And I like the book because when we look at money mindset books or finance books, we think instantly like, oh my God, they're going to tell me a whole bunch of stuff. They're going to use words I don't know. And this book isn't like that. Like one of the book, one of the chapters is striving for survival, not wealth. That's the one mistake that women make. And That's true. We are going for what we have today and letting that be the example of our future. But when you start to realize that where I am today is not an indicator of where I'm going, it's just my starting point, you start to look at life and money differently. So those are my two favorite books. I would say when you are just kind of wanting to explore finances because they're easy reads they have great stories and they aren't with a lot of financial jargon that is going to make you put the books down
0: got it got it so just to confirm I'm going to make sure that I add both of these books to the show notes nice girls don't get rich in the secrets of a millionaire mind yes amazing thank you so much for that information now takisha i do want you to just share with us if you have anything that's coming up and how can our let's talk mom to mom family keep in contact with you
1: absolutely so they can follow me on instagram facebook kind of maybe twitter um in my youtube channel they're all takisha artists so that's t-a-k-i-s-h-a-a-r-t-i-s the website is Takesha's Theory, and they can join my Facebook group, Takesha's Theory, where we have open conversations about wealth. I give them information on money mindset. It's just a safe community where we can start talking about the different mindset beliefs that we have about money and how to change them. Um, that group is really my accountability partner, um, in the sense that one of the things that I wanted to do in my business is I wanted to be able for women to start having, having open dialogue in a safe community, because I do believe that when we keep the information to ourselves or we're resistant to the information, um, it does us no good. It does me no good to have all of this information in my head and not have a platform to share it with others. And just to have them be aware of what that information is. One of the ladies in my industry, she says, you, everyone doesn't have to be an um, a advocate. Some people can just be a contributor. So you only need to know a small piece to invoke change. You don't have to know everything about everything in your industry. And so I use that group as my way to say, hey, I just want to contribute so that sometimes you can either become aware of what you're thinking is different or maybe see that there is another way to think or just be an observer. Um, because I think Like I said, we've had these thoughts for so long that we don't know that they're not positive. Um, And so that's what the group is about. So they can definitely join the group. Um, I talk about everything that's going on in there. So again, that's Tikesha's Theory on Facebook.
0: Thank you so much. I'll definitely add that to the show notes as well for everyone that is interested in joining I am actually have my phone in hand so I can join join as well because sometimes you just really want to put yourself in those environments and surround yourself with people that have similar goals And, and right now, you know, one of my 2020 goals is to increase my knowledge regarding finance and change my money mindset so that I can educate others and I can educate my daughter about it. So I truly, truly appreciate all the information that you provided to us today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. You had great questions. Um, I think when we start to um, want those changes and you surround yourself with it, like it can't help but to rub off on you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know you're going to do amazing things this year because honestly, changing my money mindset allowed so many different things that, were like little seats being planted that it was like I did this change how I viewed this or changed how I viewed that and then it's like well this opportunity just fell into my lap or you get that confidence to do new things because you don't think of yourself in in the same light um I always say like I'm a wealthy woman and My definition of wealth is different from someone else's, but the fact is, we all need to have our own definition. So, you can't, when you're in a group with other women who are on different levels financially, but we're all striving for our own definition, you can't help but to win. You can't help but to stay positive and know, like, okay it hasn't happened but it is going to happen for me it, i just need to wait and keep working at this and not give up so that's one of the things that i absolutely love about the group like there are so many women from different walks of life and from different situations that are always encouraging each other
0: thank you i am joining as we speak <laughs> <laughs> I am joining. So I truly, truly appreciate the information that you provided. And I do thank you so much for joining us on the Let's Talk Mom to Mom podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. And thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you all next week.
1: Bye, guys.
0: Bye.